You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. We'll have those stories in just a moment. But first, breaking news in Coquitlam tonight. This is a live shot from Global One of a major accident that has several streets closed at this hour, including Mariner both ways, or pardon me, both northbound and southbound between Atlan Place and Fern Terrace. RCMP confirmed this is a fatal accident. It happened just before the afternoon rush at around 3 o'clock. It involved three vehicles and three pedestrians in the intersection of Mariner Way and Riverview Crescent. One person died at the scene. Two others were transported to hospital with serious injuries. A mobile command centre has been set up and there are a number of other road closures as well. Drivers being advised to avoid the area for the time being. And for more on the road closures and the effect on traffic, let's check in with Trish Jewison, who's up in the chopper for us tonight. Trish. Thanks, Sophie. Yes, uh, uh, this is in actually uh, quite a residential area. So unless you actually live in the area here, it's not going to affect you too much. A lot of people know about this accident as well. It's been here all afternoon. Uh, Austin and Lougheed Highway would probably be your best alternate routes at this time to avoid any delays or lineups. Anyone coming across this uh, roadblock is just going to be turned around at the police tape and turned back. So definitely, if you're just leaving now, head over to Lougheed Highway or Austin as alternate routes. Back to you, Sophie. All right. Thanks for that, Trish. Now sentencing today for a man who made harassing and obscene phone calls to dozens of women around the province, threatening to kill their family members if they didn't engage. Our Sarah McDonald is live at the Surrey Courthouse with more. Sarah, he terrorized a number of women and some were there today to hear his punishment. Sophie, that's right. At least two of his victims were in court today when that sentence was handed down less than two hours ago. One of them telling us as they were leaving, they do not believe it is harsh enough. Perry will not spend any time behind bars for the crimes he committed. Instead, he will serve out an 18-month conditional sentence on top of a three years probation. Now, the accused initially faced a staggering 70 charges in this case. He pleaded guilty to 32 of those charges involving 32 victims in December. That long list of offenses includes multiple counts of harassing and indecent phone calls, criminal harassment, uttering threats and extortion. The 33-year-old was sentenced with a string of strict conditions, part of a joint submission agreed upon by both the Crown and Defence. Those chilling phone and video calls took place during a six-month period between November of 2017 and April of 2018. Perry targeted female victims, primarily in Metro Vancouver, including employees at lingerie and swim stores. His technique was elaborate and RCMP say it left many of his victims traumatized. Perry would call a victim, identify her by name and personal details, and tell her he was monitoring her through video recording devices. He'd then demand the victim engage in conversations of a sexual and explicit nature, threatening she or a loved one would be killed if she did not comply. A psychological assessment detailed in court today found Perry has a negative view of women and a lack of insight. The judge noting in his sentencing the accused had no criminal record prior to those convictions, though, and a troubling childhood. The accused did not address the court today, but he did submit a written statement of apology that was not read in court. The judge, in handing down his sentence, calling this a, quote, very, very odd case, and quote, noting he'd never seen anything like it in his time on the bench. Perry will serve out that conditional sentence at his mother's residence in Parksville on Vancouver Island. He is not allowed to have contact with any of his victims during that 18-month period. He is also not allowed to to access the internet, but Sophie, he is allowed to be in possession of one cell phone during that mm. time. 
All right, Sarah McDonald's reporting at the Surrey Courthouse. Sarah, thank you. A scary sight in New Westminster today with heavily armed officers and an armored vehicle on the street. The emergency response team was called out to the area of East Columbia and Sherbrooke streets for reports of a man with a gun returning to his home. Thankfully, the situation was safely resolved with two men taken into custody without any incident. The investigation is ongoing. Police are trying to determine if there was in fact a firearm and if it was safely or unsafely stored or prohibited. Well, they are the breathalyzers found in every RCMP detachment in this province. The findings used as irrefutable evidence, but critics say they have never been tested for flaws or false readings. Now, one law firm has acquired dozens of the devices to examine. John Hua has more on why it wasn't easy and where they finally found them. Out of the courtroom and onto a forklift. This is a payload a decade in the making for criminal defense lawyer Paul Duroshenko. Went through all sorts of steps and basically I was told, forget it, we're not going to sell it to a defense lawyer. That's because any of these pallets could lead to a potential legal defense. Anything to drink at all tonight? Against the breathalyzers used in RCMP detachments across British Columbia. Police say no, the prosecution says no, the Crown says no, and they don't want defense lawyers to get it, they don't want us to poke at it, they don't want us to figure out problems with it. But Acumen Law finally found a workaround when the state of Illinois decided to sell off its surplus units. We wanted 20 or 30, we'll take 168. Followed by a couple of road trips to Sumas, Washington. It took uh, four truckloads over two Saturdays. And until we drove across the border and we actually had them back in Canada, we couldn't believe it. Despite Acumen Law discrediting two different breathalyzers in the past, BC Solicitor General is putting on a brave face. Getting a bunch of breathalyzer technology from the states and then trying to say that if there's something wrong with them, then that must, you know, should apply in, in Canada, I don't think um, would, would really stand up. Duroshenko says his team won't know until they look inside. We are quality controlled. We're doing it because we're trying to figure out circumstances uh, where you can't rely on those breath samples. First, they'll explore whether organic chemicals from salons, paint shops, even photocopiers and printers can give off false positives. Then we give the machine to an expert. Um, and we let them test it, and then we've got somebody who can come and testify and give evidence to court to explain the problem. Now with the equipment finally at his disposal, Duroshenko says breathalyzer results taken back at the station may no longer lead to an open and shut case. John Hua, Global News. RCMP need your help locating a significant piece of First Nations art. The piece, known as a spindle whorl, was stolen over the weekend in Nanaimo. It was created by local carver Joel Good. It represents Coast Salish art and has been a fixture in downtown Nanaimo for many years. Anyone who has information is asked to contact Nanaimo RCMP at 250-754-2345. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau making several more stops today on his visit to the West Coast. And while the federal election is still more than six months away, the PM already appears to be in full campaign mode and facing some tough questions over the SNC-Lavalin affair. Tanya Beja reports. Justin Trudeau in his element, taking selfies with strangers as he kicks off the campaign for the federal by-election in the Nanaimo Ladysmith riding. I already see the team. Uh... Trudeau in town for a meet and greet with Liberal candidate Michelle Corfield, chair of Nanaimo's Port Authority and a member of the Ukulit First Nation. 
This is what Canadians are looking for. Good people stepping up to fight for their communities and fight for their values. The federal election is still nearly seven months away, but the Prime Minister is on a push to shore up Western votes. Hammering home budget measures to improve housing affordability and supply. He's not doing anything to help us or give us actual affordable housing. Trudeau also reaffirming a promise to tackle financial crime. We do recognize that there is a factor around money laundering and uh, real estate tax evasion that is becoming a significant challenge, one that we're working very closely with the province on. While he's happy to repeat that message, Trudeau continues to be dogged by questions about the Liberals' handling of SNC-Lavalin and treatment of Vancouver Granville MP Jody Wilson-Raybould. We're continuing to uh, support and cooperate with, uh, with all various parliamentary committees and, and, uh, and uh, investigations uh, that the Ethics Commissioner is doing into this issue. Trudeau has taken a hit in the polls over the file. It could be a rocky road to election day. They're not totally going to be able to move beyond that issue as a result come October. They, they may still be able to win. It's certainly an open race still, but it seems like this has left a mark. Thanks for your interest in politics, everyone. Tanya Beja, Global News. All right, let's check in with our Keith Baldry in Victoria now. Keith, talk about the significance of where Justin Trudeau stopped on this visit. <coughs> Yeah, everywhere he goes now is strategically thought out by the Liberal campaign team. The vote is uh, about six months away, uh, and every writing he visits has a very strategic importance. So he visited three while he was in B.C., two of them NDP writings, which is going to be interesting down the road. More about that in a moment. But here's the results of these writings from the 2015 election. Pitt Meadows, Maple Ridge, one of the narrowest Liberal victories in the province by just 1,300 votes. Vancouver Kingsway, long-time NDP stronghold, won by 8,100 votes there. And I'm a Lady Smith, a little more interesting, NDP went up by 6,900. That was a four-way split, though. The Liberals uh, genuinely think they can pick that right up. And here's the thinking behind it, Sophie. The more that uh, the prospect of an Andrew Scheer-led Conservative government comes into view, and with all the, the policies that come into play with that, uh, the more the Liberals hope they can get the attention of New Democratic voters who definitely don't want a Scheer government and may be able to be, proverbially hold your nose and vote for the Liberals come election time. So look for Trudeau to visit a lot more NDP writings between now and then. Many months to go still, Keith. Thank you. There's a growing chorus of concern from small businesses across the province about the impact of the employer's health tax. As Richard Zussman reports, the survival for many comes down to making a tough decision. Absolutely, yeah. At Galby and Jules Bakery in Port Moody, the selections behind the glass may be overwhelming for customers. But for the owners, it's a brand new government tax proving to be overwhelming. It's not just corporations that are paying for it, like it's small family businesses that are really feeling the, the, the impact of these, these taxes and so we're just getting hit on, on a lot of fronts right now. Beecroft is still trying to grapple with how much her businesses, the bakery plus three coffee shops, will have to pay of the new employer's health tax. And for now, the province is double dipping. Many businesses have to pay both the tax this year and medical service plan premiums for their employees before they are phased out for all British Columbians starting next year. It's really um, created a lot of anxiety for us as far as figuring out how we're going to cover um, that cost. The reality is the solution is passing the tax on. Inevitably, we're going to have to raise our, our cost um, of our products to our customers and that's um, Obviously a challenge because there are people willing to pay $5 for a cup of coffee at some point. We've been talking to businesses that have had as much as 50% of their profit wiped out because of the EHT. 
A business with a payroll of $800,000 would pay $8,775 every year in the employer's health tax. The province has provided exemptions for what they describe as small businesses. Small businesses are exempt under $500,000, so there's support for them. But Green Party leader Andrew Weaver says the province should have brought in the Ontario model to get rid of MSP. The amount you pay is dependent on how much you earn and your ability to pay. Tack on the increase to minimum wage and the results for this bakery and many other small businesses are far from sweet. Richard Zussman, Global News. The province has rolled out new legislation to encourage LNG projects in B.C. The new legislation, if passed, will influence development in three ways. First, it will create an opportunity for companies to receive gas tax credit for LNG development. Secondly, it will overturn the LNG Income Tax Act, the government says discouraged investment. And finally, it will repeal the LNG Project Agreements Act, which could have left British Columbians vulnerable to footing the bill for special industry taxes. The legislation will need the support of the B.C. Liberals to pass, with the Greens planning to vote against it. Right now, though, minor league lacrosse and ball hockey teams in Delta have found themselves scrambling for a place to play. As Grace Key reports, ironically, their misfortune comes from the success of the Vancouver Giants hockey team. The Vancouver Giants are the top seed out of the Western Conference, but their success is coming at a price, according to the Delta Lacrosse community. Right. We got screwed around in August, now we're getting screwed around in April, and we've just had enough. Like, uh, okay. it's, it's unacceptable. In a lease agreement with Delta, the team has access to the Ladner Leisure Centre until the end of the playoff season. But to accommodate the senior and junior lacrosse teams, the Giants will gear up at Ladner and then practice at the South Delta Recreation Centre. But that has a ripple effect with all lacrosse levels because they trade off on floor time. Now minor lacrosse has nowhere to play their home games. Asking a young family from South Delta to drive to Richmond or White Rock or Surrey to host a home game is totally unacceptable. The Giants point out a letter of understanding was signed by six lacrosse associations in 2005. And worked out an agreement that when we went on playoff runs, they would understand that as long as, long as there was a place for them to play. If they were going longer, then we would move our hockey school and training camp to, La to Tilbury Ice. And it's worked fine until this year, and I don't know what's happened all of a sudden. Delta first struck up the lease agreement in 2005 when it wanted to build a weight room facility at the Leisure Centre. Uh, required a capital expenditure of somewhere around $2 million. Rather than go and borrow the money and do it themselves, we put up the $2 million, built the facility, and part of it is our training centre. Having private companies in a public facility it's not working. Delta has come up with other locations in neighboring communities but says it hasn't heard back from the cross community adding this may not even be an issue depending on how the Giants do in the playoffs. Grace Key Global News. We've told you about romance scams where fraudsters target lonely hearts looking for love. Tonight, the story of one B.C. woman who fell victim with devastating consequences. Our consumer reporter Andrew is here with more on this, and this story is about as bad as it gets. Certainly, it's a very tragic story. Thanks for that, Sophie. Tonight, we are hearing from a woman who lost her sister to the romance scam. She hopes that by sharing her story, it will serve as a warning to others. I tried talking to her so often. 
about what was going on. Karen Ringham describes the helplessness she felt after learning her sister had fallen victim to a romance scam. In 2016, Karen's sister, who we won't identify for privacy reasons, met a man on an online dating site. His name was Ryan. The relationship quickly escalated. All of a sudden, he was the love of her life. Karen's sister lived in B.C. Her online lover, Ryan, said he worked overseas on an oil rig in Kuwait. Soon after meeting online, he told Karen's sister he was having problems getting paid. His bank accounts tied up and he needed help. Karen says her sister started sending Ryan money. She really and truly thought that she would have the white picket fence dream when Ryan came for her. Throughout the course of their 22-month relationship, the couple never met in person, nor did they correspond via video, all warning signs of a romance scam. But Ryan's request for money kept coming, and the romance turned into intimidation. Karen says it's likely other people were involved in the scam. They threatened her all the time that the police were going to come and get her, and she was terrified about that. Karen says her sister fell deeper into debt, eventually selling her home. Karen's sister was financially destroyed, losing almost a million dollars. She eventually took her own life at the age of 61. She just couldn't find a way out, and uh, she ended her life. According to the Canadian Anti-Fraud Centre in 2018, the reported loss from romance scams was just under $25 million. The Better Business Bureau says the spread of online dating sites and apps has made this fraud even easier to commit. Victims in the U.S. and Canada have reported losing nearly $1 billion over the last three years. Be curious, have a skeptic mind, you know, ask questions. And if someone who is genuinely interested in you but doesn't want to share details that would make you feel comfortable with them, that is a red flag. Karen Ringham hopes sharing the pain of losing her sister will save others from falling victim to this heartless scam. Tell my sister's story. My sister lost almost a million dollars and she took her life because of an invisible man named Ryan. The RCMP says if you believe you've been a victim of this scam, contact your bank and place a stop payment on any check or money transfer. Also report the scam to your local police, the Better Business Bureau and the Canadian Anti-Fraud Centre. Both the Better Business Bureau and the Canadian Anti-Fraud Centre also have tips on how to protect yourself from the romance scam. And if you have a consumer issue for me, there's my email information at consumermatters at globalnews.ca. All right. Thanks, Anne. There's growing concern tonight for a young Chinese student after a violent kidnapping in Ontario. Surveillance video shows 22-year-old Wan Zhen Liu being shocked with a stun gun before being stuffed into a black van. Liu was walking through a parkade with a female friend when he was attacked. Members of Liu's family are on their way to Canada. There was a significant level of violence involved in this, in this kidnapping, so um, he was taken 100% against his will. Police say there is no clear motive for the abduction. They haven't made contact with the kidnappers and say to their knowledge, no ransom demand has been made. The getaway van, which had stolen plates, was found abandoned in Toronto. New details tonight about the Canadian man who was once a hostage and is now charged with several crimes. Joshua Boyle and his American wife were kidnapped in 2012 by a Taliban-linked group while on a backpacking trip. Pakistani forces freed them in October of 2017, along with their three children who were born in captivity. 
Two months later, Boyle was charged with offenses including assault, sexual assault and unlawful confinement. As his trial began today, the partial lifting of a publication ban revealed that his now estranged wife is one of his alleged victims. And an Alberta judge has ruled that a war crime sentence for former Guantanamo Bay prisoner Omar Khadr has expired. The eight-year sentence imposed in 2010 would have ended last October had Khadr remained in custody, but the clock stopped ticking when a judge freed him back in 2015. Now, Chief Justice Mary Moreau says under provisions of the Youth Criminal Justice Act, Khadr has served his time. Now that special counsel Robert Mueller has handed in his final report into possible election meddling by Russia, the real battle has begun. Despite Donald Trump saying he'd be fine with the report being released, Republicans are blocking Democrats' efforts to make it public. Tonight, the new drama. Will the public see the whole Mueller report? The president says fine with him. It wouldn't bother me at all. Up to the attorney general. Wouldn't bother me at all. After Mueller's nearly two-year investigation and 2,800 subpoenas, Barr notified Congress by letter late Sunday of the results. Mueller did not find that the Trump campaign or anyone associated with it conspired or coordinated with Russia to interfere in the election. No involvement with Russian-led hacking into Democratic computers or the phony social media accounts set up by Russian intelligence to spread disinformation. Barr's letter says that's despite multiple offers from Russia-affiliated individuals to assist the Trump campaign. But Mueller did not draw a conclusion one way or the other about whether President Trump obstructed justice. His report, quote, does not conclude that the president committed a crime. It also does not exonerate him. Barr says he and the deputy attorney general, Rod Rosenstein, concluded that the president's actions did not amount to criminal conduct. Part of their reason, they said, is that Mueller found no criminal behavior that the president would have tried to cover up. Tonight, Justice Department officials reveal that Mueller told Barr and Rosenstein three weeks ago that he would punt on the obstruction issue. Until we know what Bob Mueller knows, until we have a chance to read the full report, and I hope we do, it's very hard to second-guess him on that. These are difficult cases. That left it up to Barr to decide whether the facts would support a finding of obstruction of justice. Federal rules say the attorney general has ultimate responsibility for the special counsel investigation. It's in the country's interest and the public's best interest that the Department of Justice speak with one voice on that issue. And that one voice should be the attorney general. And Barr says there's more of the report to come, but that's probably several weeks away. Pete Williams, NBC News, Washington. Well, we've all heard of luggage going to the wrong destination, but how about an entire plane? British Airways has apologized after a flight from London to Dusseldorf, Dusseldorf I should say, landed in Edinburgh, nearly a thousand kilometers away. The wrong way trip apparently due to an incorrect flight path flight plan, which led the pilots to believe they were supposed to fly to Scotland. After landing in Edinburgh, the plane took off again and this time made it to Germany. Probably goes without saying, British Airways is investigating. Now that the passengers from that nightmare Norwegian cruise are on dry land, nine of them still in hospital, the investigation has begun. Officials want to find out why the ship carrying more than 1,300 people set sail despite severe storm warnings. Tonight, Norwegian investigators trying to figure out how this nightmare began. Rescuers ziplining down after a cruise ship mayday call. Helicopters in high winds, airlifting 500 passengers to safety. Barry Anderson's wife, Carola, from Washington State, 
filmed as he was hauled into a helicopter. And I was never so thankful when they yarded me. Was that not? Big one, big one. Um. Below deck, furniture, plants and people were thrown around. Here, a woman narrowly avoids a chair, only to be hit by falling ceiling. The water just gushing. And, and it's down going down the stairs, the stairs and right across over to us. And we're and like you're in, thinking Titanic. You know. Among the questions tonight, why did the ship sail into a storm in the first place? Tonight, Viking Skies operator tells us its procedures were implemented to the highest standards and its route chosen by a very experienced captain. It says it's launched its own investigation. The daredevil known as the French Spider-Man was at it again, this time free climbing a skyscraper for a good cause. 56-year-old Alain Robert scaled the 180-metre NG headquarters in Paris, as usual, without a harness. Robert saying he wanted to raise money for the renovation of Notre Dame Cathedral. Despite his charitable motivation, he was still arrested shortly after completing the climb. Robert has scaled more than 100 structure, structures. In Health Matters tonight, a new poll has found a large number of British Columbians mistake seasonal allergy symptoms for the common cold. The survey conducted by Insights West for London Drugs found 6 in 10 people identify symptoms like coughing, sneezing, sore throat and runny nose with a cold and not with allergies. The poll also revealed 4 in 10 people aren't taking their allergy medications early enough. Experts say it can take a few weeks for medication to become fully effective, so they should begin taking those pills two weeks before the start of allergy season. Apparently, this year's season was late, but doctors and allergy sufferers will tell you it's definitely here now. Powerful testimony today at U.S. Food and Drug Administration hearings into breast implants. The FDA is hearing from women who've suffered long-term health effects from implants, including fatigue, headaches, and much more serious issues. The hearing's looking at a possible link between textured implants and a rare form of cancer that grows in the scar tissue surrounding the implant. Representatives from three of the implant makers are also at the hearings, insisting that safety is their highest priority. Major star power today as Apple makes a big announcement. Apple TV Plus. Still to come, how the tech giant is hoping to take a big bite out of Netflix. And up next, the hailstorm that triggered warning sirens. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. He's breaking through the ice. Caught on video in Wisconsin, a dog saved from a frozen channel. Now, the ending that wasn't quite what the rescuer expected right after the forecast. And just ahead of the forecast, North Texas is cleaning up from a huge storm that pounded the area and potentially caused millions of dollars in damages. <laughs> Warning sirens sending people running for cover, and for good reason. The storm dropped giant hailstones up to the size of baseballs. It started as torrential rain, then sleet, and finally turned into that destructive hail. Residents say the hailstones fell like snow, trapping some people in their cars as the glass shattered around them. So I just ducked underneath, and uh, luckily I had some books in my car and covered my head. I got... Some glass was coming in, but the windshield was getting pounded with hail. Yikes, a number of people suffered cuts and bruises, but doesn't look like there were any serious injuries. Wow.
Ick, Christy, that no not kidding. nice at all. All right, welcome back from uh, you. your spring break. And the kids are still off for another week, so hopefully mm -hmm. they'll have some sunshine this week. Yeah, there actually will be a little bit of sunshine. This is a brief interlude of rain, everyone. You'll need your umbrella if you're headed out this evening. There's the rain they're pushing on shore. Don't worry, though. There are some signs of spring out there. Uh, yes, lots of cherry blossoms out there. Thank you to Nicole in Chilliwack. And the birds are starting to make their nests. Thanks to Robert in Surrey. And one last one. Yes, the bumblebees are out, even in Queen Charlotte. Thanks to Carolyn for that one. Uh, so, yes, lots of signs of spring. We'll be back to sunshine in not too long. But here's the band that's moving on. On shore. So for the south coast, we'll see the rain overnight, but the main band will push into the caribou and central interior regions spreading down into the Columbia regions. Now it's showing it as snow tomorrow morning or actually overnight and into the early morning hours. You may see some wet snow, but likely temperatures will be warm enough that this will mainly be rain, especially as you head towards the latter part of the day. For the south coast, even in the morning as that main band pushes on, we still have a chance of showers in the afternoon conditions lighten up. Yes, we can expect a little bit of sunshine towards the end of the day, but that ban continues in that Caribou Central Ontario region down into the Columbia region as well. It will be mainly wet snow through the overnight, but during the day uh, you're looking at showers. One thing I wanted to point out, though, is this. This is our afternoon. Although conditions will ease up and you'll see some sunshine tomorrow afternoon, we still have these pockets of instability, and that means we have a risk of thunderstorms tomorrow afternoon. We may even see a brief downpour of hail, but nothing like that, what they saw down in Texas. Uh, but just keep your eye out for that in the afternoon hours. So breaks of sunshine across the north. There's Prince George and Quinell, so warming up to 5 and 7 degrees. You see why we're talking about showers there. But overnight, you're close to the possibility of wet snow. Down through the south, some breaks of sunshine, and same for our region towards the end of the day. So a good chance of showers in the morning, less of a chance of showers in the afternoon, but that's when we also have that risk of thunderstorms. Look your Wednesday, everyone. We rebound nicely back to sunshine, mainly dry for the next several days, although we will see some cloud cover as we head into the weekend. And I'll leave you with one last beautiful spring shot. These are mountain bluebirds shot in uh, Williams Lake. Thanks to Pat Suter for that. Wow, are they ever blue? That's yeah, cool. beautiful. All right, thanks, Christy. A volunteer firefighter in Wisconsin risks his own life and safety to save a beloved pet. The dog had fallen through the ice on a frozen channel and had been in the frigid water for nearly 15 minutes. William Mott carefully made his way out to the dog, but ended up falling in himself. He still managed to get the dog out of the water, but it wanted no part of the rescue boat, deciding instead to simply walk off the ice into the arms of his happy and relieved owner. Holy cow, holy cow. Okay, get you in by the heat. What the hell are you thinking? <laughs> <laughs> Dog's like, Mom, you threw the ball and like, like someone's got to go get it. So, Aww. every time I see people talk to their pets it always reminds me of that old far side cartoon where you see the guy talking oh, to yeah. his dog it's like he says something says something he goes what what you say to your dog and then what, what your dog hear, hears hear. and all the dog hears blah 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 rusty blah 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 <laughs> yeah. rusty blah 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 rusty anyway good I to see the dog survive yeah i i love the far side I was very upset when Gary Larson retired. I remember there retired. was one of a deer that had a big um, a bullseye on the side of it <laughs> 
His buddy Deer was saying, bummer of a birthmark. Yeah. <laughs> you want to get rid of that one. That was one of my favorites. I, I could go on and on about them. <laughs> All right, what one do you have? I had the deer gut. Bob was upset by his deer gut. The deer gut. Yeah, uh, he was a bear or something. Gillis has a really deep voice. Was that him? Well, that was him. Wow, he does have a deep voice. Well, he's a tall guy. Marsha, our producer, thinks he might have been a little under the weather, that guy. He's tall, so he has a deep voice. Is that the thing? I've noticed that. Well, tall people have we deep voices. We are not that tall, and we both have deep-ish voices. Can you imagine how, if we were tall? We'd have Oh, yeah, we'd super sound deep voices. Like James Earl Jones. Okay, have we spent enough time? <laughs> we're doing a stretch of it. <laughs> Uh, anything else you want to say? <laughs> Not really. Uh, okay. There are um, six games left in the regular season for the Vancouver Canucks. They're still mathematically alive for the playoffs. Yes. But realistically, no. All glasses are now half empty. So we turn our thoughts to the draft, which will be at Rogers Arena this year in June. Missing the playoffs, of course, means you get a draft lottery ticket. How good of one depends on how far down the standings you finish. The Canucks lost weekend pretty much secures a lottery ticket, but it would be nice. I know you can't ask players to lose, but it would be nice to get a little lower than they are right now. Here's Wenberg up the left side. Puck is center. Bjorkstrand scores! The Canucks gave it a good try, but two weekend losses have put an end to any more thoughts of a miraculous run to a playoff spot. They'll likely be officially eliminated in about a week. So now it's time to look ahead. Vancouver is hosting the NHL draft in June. If they held the draft lottery today, this is the way the bottom eight teams would stack up. Colorado owns Ottawa's pick for the Matt Duchesne deal, but all of the other teams own their first rounders. And you can see it's not overwhelming odds to win the lottery and get the number one pick. That is done deliberately by the NHL to prevent tanking, although in two of the last three lotteries, the worst team did win the draw. Buffalo last year when they took Rasmus Dahlin and the Leafs three years ago when they landed Austin Matthews. As of now, the Canucks would have the eighth pick and about a 1 in 16 chance of winning the lottery and getting the number one selection, which they would undoubtedly use on Jack Hughes, the younger brother of Quinn Hughes, who they took seventh overall in last year's draft. But Canucks fans aren't holding their breath on that one. Vancouver's never picked first ever in its 49-year existence. If they lose all or most of their remaining games and teams below them get some wins, the Canucks could fall to fifth worst and maybe get a shot at taking Vancouver Giants star defenseman Bowen Byram. But the Canucks have also been bumped down in recent drafts when teams behind them in the standings have won either the first, second, or third pick. So they're likely going to select somewhere in the top ten. We'll find out exactly where at the draft lottery, which takes place on April 9th. Very Delay, Global Sports. This is the number one team against the number two team, although Boston is tied with Calgary. But the Lightning, definitely the number one team in the NHL. And Steve Stamkos with the one-timer. Second of the game, 41st of the year. It's 2-1 for Tampa Bay. Charlie Coyle picked him up at the deadline from Minnesota. He scores a tie at 2-2. And then Brandon Carlo gives Boston a 3-2 lead. Looks like the Bruins are going to play the Leafs in round one of the playoffs. It's pretty much a done deal. They're up 4-3 on Tampa Bay in the third. Well, a bittersweet weekend for the Aquilini family. The Canucks lost both of their weekend games, effectively ending any playoff hopes. The Vancouver Warriors lost two, putting their playoff hopes in peril. But the first-year Overwatch team the Aquilini's own, the Vancouver Titans, 
won the first stage finals and are still unbeaten. And here's the finish yesterday. A two greedy for that, but super. He has to be careful. He's caught out of position. He's down. That's the first pick. And now the rest would follow. Bumpy, it's a huge shadow. All right. I don't know what's happening, really, but Vancouver is winning, and now they've won. Oh, Overwatch is the game, right? Overwatch is the game, and the Titans have yet to lose a game. So they are the Stage 1 champions, or Stage 1, Stage 2, Stage 3, and then the playoff championship. Uh, the Titans, <laughs> amazing start. All these kids are from South Korea, and one of their star players is Bumper. Bumper is the Pedersen of the Vancouver Titans, you may want to say. Bumper is a player, or is He's a player, that's his nickname. Sounds they all like have nicknames. They all have nicknames, okay. I know. I like, you know, I, I enjoy video games, but I still haven't got that one down yet, and things are happening fast. Yeah, so. it's a little bit uh, Bianca Andreescu, fourth-round match in Miami against Annette Contavete. Well, that may well be the case, but... Contivate, I should say, early break, took the opening set 6-1. Andreescu was having medical problems. I remember the other day, Angelique Kerbers called her a drama queen. Yeah. But she actually was hurt. She wasn't faking it because despite what you see here, eventually she had to pack it in. That's it. So there, Why right here? Whatever. I'm done. Uh, I think and because it. of the shoulder, she well, can't she continue. Can't I shade. do like the pink shoes. Okay. Well, they might be on sale soon. Uh, so she is out she is. in Come Miami. But of course, yeah, she got the big win in Indian Wells and hopes that she gets better and she'll be ready for the French Open. Um, Dennis Shapovalov against Andre Rublev. First set, Shapovalov. Backhand cross-court, nice. Won the opening set 6-3. Second set, he fought from a breakdown. Shapovalov did. Then in the tie break, scrambling to save a point. He'd win this in straight sets, Shapovalov would. 6-3, 7-6, so he moves on to the fourth round where another Canadian, Felix Auger-Alassine, is. Oh. Speaking of uh, Canada, Canada's men's basketball team, Jay Triano, good SFU grad, was mm -hmm. the coach, but he said, eh, I don't want to be the coach anymore, so someone else oh. can do that. So when they go to the World Cup in August in China, they will have a new head coach. He's an assistant right now with Charlotte, of course. There you go. Okay. You're Th welcome. Thank you very much, Squire. Oh, I said you're welcome before you said thank you. Here's your snow report for this evening. We've been treated to fantastic spring skiing over the last week. No new snow across the south coast mountains, but we do have some fresh snow in the interior. Revelstoke picking up five centimeters. Fernie six, Whitewater three. Big White also has three centimeters of fresh snow. Silver Star six, and Sun Peaks also six. Kicking Horse, Mount Washington, and Powder King, no new snow. Powder King, a great base though, still at 274. Coming up on ET Canada, Julia Louis-Dreyfus on the final season of Veep. Plus, Mark Hamill in primetime and Kevin Costner teams up with Woody Harrelson. That's coming up at 7 right after the news hour. Back to you, Sophie. Woody Harrelson. Okay, I'm watching. Thanks, Carlos. Uh, Netflix and Amazon have major new competition tonight as Apple, well, in six months from now, really. But today, Apple unveiled its long-awaited streaming TV service. The company, recruiting some of Hollywood's Biggest guns for today's official announcement. Apple TV Plus. Tim Cook called on some Hollywood A-listers to help unveil his company's new video streaming so service today. To All of this and the chance for us to collaborate again has brought me back to television and I'm really excited about it. 
Aniston and others talked about their new projects for the ad-free service. I love circles, by the way. Which will debut this fall, but no details yet on price as Apple goes head-to-head with Netflix, Amazon, and others. This is obviously a way of trying to get us sort of hooked on Apple, not just as a maker of phones, but as a maker of entertainment and other services. Apple also introduced a news subscription service, Apple News Plus. We've got magazines for just about every passion. More than 300 and a few newspapers, including the Los Angeles Times and the Wall Street Journal. It will cost $9.99 a month and it's eligible for family sharing. A gaming subscription service, Apple Arcade, was also unveiled, as well as a credit card called Apple Card that offers daily cash back. No late fees, no annual fees, no international fees, and no over-limit fees. The question for Apple is whether this new array of services... They're in a billion pockets, y'all. A billion pockets. ...will pay dividends. Jennifer Bjorkland, NBC News, Cupertino, California. Apple, or whatever, you know, you get a... Apple TV. You Big an Bird Apple was TV. in there. I, I'm seeing Big Bird and Jennifer Aniston in a rom-com. What do you think? I think um, <laughs> is that what you're picturing? That could be the pitch. Think of the notebook with Big Bird. Picture yeah. it. Picture yeah. it. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Uh, the stock market. Yeah obviously hadn't heard of your idea because before you just shared your idea with us they weren't terribly impressed apple shares dropped 1.2 percent after today's unveiling Mm -hmm. investors apparently nervous because apple left out all those details uh not the least of which is how much its tv service will cost so right oh they'll figure it out eventually (laughs) okay Final word on the weather? Sure. So we do have to get through 24 hours unsettled weather. So the bulk of the rain will really be while you're asleep. Tomorrow it showers on and off with that risk of thunderstorms. While you were sleeping. That's a good name for a show. Too. Like a thriller? Show, yeah, yeah that would okay. be good. Have a good evening, everyone. With Big Bird in it. Big Bird should be in everything. You're right.